This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm just going to continue, jump right back in. I know we had a couple weeks break here, and, and it was good for us as a church. Uh, but uh, in our ninth week in our series, uh, Spiritual Apathy, and I've been talking a little bit about drifting, and I made some points. And I just kind of want to catch us up here. I'm going to do a quick recap, but I do have a, this. I, I really hope this uh, doesn't sound sporadic, this message, because I have a little bunny trails. And so I like to be systematic when I preach and give you some points. And how many like that same? man, where is he going? What does he say? And you know what? But some people like that floating around and hitting on everything messages, but that's just not me. But you may see a little of that here today, but I do have a point. And so we have here uh, in our series that we've been talking about this text in Revelation 2-4. Jesus is speaking. He said, I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Some just say you lost your first love. Uh, no, that does not mean your first girlfriend, okay? It's talking about the love for the Lord, amen? That's what he's talking about here. And Jesus is speaking to the church. And you know, and I thought about that, about losing things, and I can't stand losing things. How many have lost something before? Especially something valuable. And what's frustrating, it's like, where did I put that? You know, who took it? You know, and, and then when my kids, we're empty nesters now, they're out of the house, I can't blame the kids. It's my fault, <laughs> or my wife's, but more, it's my fault, amen, where that stuff disappears. But, but you know, spiritual, watch this, spiritual truth can be lost. What do you mean, Pastor Mike? I'm not talking about, you know, the Bible in the sense of the written word of God, in the sense that, that God's truth is not there. But how many of you know, if you don't have a Bible, you don't have God's word, you don't know how to live. Right? And there are, that's why they talked about the dark ages for 400 years where, you know, this world was in and, and they really didn't have access to the word of God, even though it was there. So just some quick things, you know, how I remember Martin Luther, who he was. Remember his revelation? What was that? The just shall live by faith. Do you remember that? In the 1500s? But you know what? In Romans 1.17, that was written back then. That was the truth in the word of God. But we see 1,500 years later, him crawling on his knees, you know, trying to do penance in, in, in the Catholic church and, and, and trying to appease God and reads a revelation and gets this revelation. And then we have today a lot of what we have uh, uh, a Pentecostalism and uh, the evangelical church in that revelation that the just live by his faith. Let me see that say amen. You know, I think of, you know, as charismatics, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How many know that? when Jesus died and resurrected, and he said, for Pentecost, he's, Pentecost means 50. Wait, tarry into Jerusalem 50 days. Why? For the outpouring of the Spirit. How many read that? Acts chapter 2, right? So we have ebbs and flows through hundreds of years of people grabbing a hold of that, nations, and then we have it dissipating. 
We have it dissipating. And then in 1906, we have the Azusa Street outpouring. Tremendous outpouring and insurgence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit where those things are not done away with. I thought they were done away with the early disciples. You know, that's not for us today. No, here's an insurgence. And we have now over 700 million people that have received that. Not seven, 700 million of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, are getting close to a billion people. And so it's the truth. What am I trying to say? The truths in God's word, if we are not engaged as his people, we can let these things slip, drift in our life. Just go on with life. Just kind of go on with life, kind of, you know, not knowing about it. How many of you have ever been pulled over by a police officer because you didn't see the, don't raise your hands on this, you didn't see the sign what the speed limit was and you were going faster? <clears throat> well, unless you see the signs, you don't know what the speed is. And uh, anyhow, so, so the, the word of God is our sign. Amen. It's, it's, it's what we need daily in our life. Can I get an amen? To know how to live. It's his word. I think about in the 1940s to the 50s and the healing outpouring in America. And, you know, Jesus healed people. His disciples were empowered. Regular believers, when he chose the seven, you know, and uh, Philip and, and Simon and Nicholas, as we've been talking about, these are men full of the Holy Spirit. And, and they did mighty works. You know, our standard should not be where we're at today, what we see. Our standard should be what the word of God is in Acts in the New Testament. That should be our standard. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And so, but then there's this little sidetrack here. I'm getting off here. Uh, I'm going to bring it back. But Revelation 2.4, in our text, Jesus says, I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. And so I ask this question, okay, uh, what happened, and really, if you calculate from the book of Ephesus, uh, was 28 years earlier uh, until the book of Revelation was around 96 AD. It's when John actually died. Uh, and so, so what happened over 28 years that was lost? What happened? A little background, Paul left Timothy in Ephesus, where he was in a position of responsibility, and the church in Ephesus was the key to Asia Minor. Through that church in Ephesus, the word of God, the Bible says, went out to all Asia Minor, a huge swath, 1,500 miles. Ephesus was the first of the seven churches of Asia referred to in the beginning in the book of Revelation, which we've been talking about. So, so as we said, Paul was executed in, uh, excuse me, uh, yes, Paul was executed in the year AD 68. He was beheaded for his faith. John wrote the book of the Revelation, and these letters to the seven churches, it was around 96 AD. So we can deduct with those years that in a short span, somebody shout short, in 28 years, 28 years, you know, our church is going to celebrate 20 years uh, next year. Uh, we've actually started meeting in 2000, uh, excuse me, in, in 1999 in our living room. So really, we're actually, you know, uh, as, a, as a meeting, as a Bible study, as a, as a church, 20 years. But we'll be celebrating that, that next year. It's 20 years as a, as a church. And, and, and just think of uh, all the messages, all the teaching, all the ministry, all the salvation, all the missions trips and all of that. And just think of just something being lost, never even existing. Wow, what a tragedy. What a tragedy. I think of all what God gave the Apostle Paul, <clears throat> all the revelation, everything that he poured his heart out into those churches, and he, he invested his life. And then in, in 28 years, he's dead. It's pretty much you can't find anything existing of it. It's practically all gone. That's tragic. 
That's tragic. In 28 years, Jesus himself had to write to those very churches through John and say, I have this against you. I have that against you. Come on, are you with me this morning? You have abandoned the love you had at first. You have become lukewarm. My God, we don't want to be people that are lukewarm in our faith. Amen? Why is that? Why is that? Paul said in Asia, he said that in Asia, uh, all that are in Asia turned away from me in 2 Timothy 1.15. How does it happen? How does spiritual apathy set in? And I said this before, we leak. We are vessels that we put in and take in, and then we leak. It just drips out. The Bible talks about that. And we can become passive. And, and so spiritual truth and the revelation of God's word can be lost. Here's my point in this little bunny trail. We all are personally, watch this now, we are all of us, not just me. We all are, per- that means you. I, I need to let that set in. It's not just me. I'm replaceable. It, it's all of us. We all are personally responsible to keep God's revelation, his purposes alive in our generation, and we all will be held accountable for that. Yes. Oh, amen. For what? Accountable for what, Pastor Mike? Here's a verse here in Acts 13, 36. It just is resounding in my spirit. The Bible says, now David, King David in the Old Testament, he said, after he had served God's purposes in his own generation, died and was buried with his ancestors. A couple other translations say it this way. After doing God's will, watch this, by serving the people of his time. Are you serving the God's people at his time? Are you serving uh, the people in your generation? The Bible says David died. David, another one says, having in his own generation ministered to the will of God. Think about what that means, doing God's will. Another translation said, for David, after having been useful to his own generation in accordance with God's purposes. Are you useful to God? Are you just doing your own thing? Amen, Pastor Mike. So glad you came to church today. Amen. Useful, serving God in what? The gospel, missions, and salvation. Preaching and teaching, discipling, planning churches, supporting God's house in his purposes. Can I get an amen? David served the purpose of God in his generation, and he died. And here's the thing. Doesn't need really being bearing, repeating, but we're all going to die. There's no way out of here. <laughs> Amen? That's the only way. That's the only way. So the question and the challenge is this morning, are you serving the purpose of God in your life? That's not mean, that does not, not mean that everyone is called to preach and teach the word, and, but how can you serve God's purposes in your life, day in and day out? We, uh, you, you know, I, I, I made a notation here. Is there enough evidence in a court of law, if they brought you here in Douglas County and they brought you before a jury and said, we want to convict this person that they are a Christian, is there enough evidence in your life that all your friends, oh, come on now, all your relatives, come on now, all your family members, whatever, go and sit there and go, I don't, he's just like me. She just, I don't, I don't see anything. Or is there, man, they serve God. They, they're, they're givers. They serve in the church. They, they, they serve in the nursery. You know, they're greeters. They're, they're part of their men's meeting there. And they're part of a group of guys or women that, you know, they participate in worship. Oh, they're Christians. Is there enough evidence in court to convict you that you would be a Christian? Hallelujah. How many love you, Pastor? Say amen. Some of you are going, I wish Mitch was back, you know. 
Amen. Thank you for blessing that man. We had a tremendous time with him while he was here. So it is our responsibility to serve God's purposes in our generation. Here's the thing. You and I are not responsible for the Inquisition. Come on, right? We are not responsible for the Dark Ages. We weren't there. We are not responsible for what happened at World War I, per se, or some of you, even World War II, or whatever happened in the world globally. We're not responsible, but we are responsible now. Somebody say amen again. We are responsible in how we raise our children. We are responsible for bring our children to church and bring them into the nursery. Come on now, amen, and we get them in children's church. We are responsible to get our kids into youth ministry. We are responsible to get our kids into youth ministry, get them involved in camps. We are responsible to support those ministries. Can I get an amen? We are responsible to be worshipers of God, amen. We are responsible to read his word. Can I get an amen? We are responsible to share our faith. Yes. Not somebody else. We are. Aren't you? Well, that's that's clerical Joe's job. It's cler- clerical Joe. You know, he does. He buries everybody. He marries everybody. You know, he does all the preaching and teaching. He vacuums. He changes light bulbs. You know, yeah, that's clerical Joe. No, we are all clerical Joe. Amen. Yeah, there's different callings and things like that, but we are all responsible. So the question is, are we doing our part? Are we modeling our faith through our family? Are we serving God's purposes in our time, in his church, in his people, in the lost, in stateside missions, and in local community missions, and, and, and international missions, and, and everything that God opens up? Amen? Amen. That was my bunny trail. See how far we can get right now. I mean, I wish you guys maybe look at the heat right there. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit hot up here, or is it, maybe it's just me. Maybe you can check that and cool it down. Uh, Revelation 2.6, yes, Jesus says, you have this. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. We talked about that, that doctrine of Nicholas, uh, for the sake of time, it was lukewarmness. It means, hey, it's okay to have one foot in the world, one foot in the church. Once again, that whole court of law thing as a Christian, is there enough evidence? He's like, well, if I begin to step over to this side, Pastor, and I just begin to be a person that is, you know, internally, I'm kind of like a chameleon. I'm a chameleon, you know, and around my worldly friends, I curse with them. But when I'm around the church people, I praise God. Amen. <laughs> Lord is good. You're a chameleon. Jesus speaks about that. And he said, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but lukewarm, I want to spit you out. You know, I remember being in the Marine Corps and being stationed in Camp Lejeune for a while. Then I was sent to Okinawa and mainland Japan. And and I uh, just remember being in Okinawa. It was a lot of harassment. And then even in, in Camp Lejeune because I made a determination. I wasn't going to try to fit in to be liked by everybody. Now, I'm not talking about the Boy Scouts here, okay? I'm talking about the United States Marine Corps, okay? I wasn't selling cookies, knocking on doors. The Marines, okay? The few, the proud, the Marine. Can I get amen? Thank God for all the military. But, you know, Marines for me, well, that was the cream of the crop. That's what I went in. And, and I wanted to live out my faith right there with all these other 80 men in the squad bay. And do you think I not, did not get persecuted? These guys would come. Many of you heard the story. They would go up to the bunk bed, the rack, and they would begin to shake it at 2 a.m. because they were out drinking. They were all getting crazy tattoos, and you don't even know what they said on there because they were out all night, and then some of them come back. And, and then they want to start, you know, drooling over me at 2 a.m. because they're drunk. And, you know, you know, oh, breach your bar. You know, oh, got all this harassment. So what? 
I'm a better person today, Fred. I don't look back and go, oh, I wish I'd change. They're like medals. They're badges for the kingdom. Can I get an amen? And some of you are so afraid of persecution. What's, what's someone going to say? Who cares? Stand up for what's right. Amen? I'm not talking about, about me not being arrogant about it or whatever, but, but you know, you got to get, I was in the Marine Corps, okay, and, you know, everything is extreme in there. And so you got to kind of, you know, come back at them and, 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 and the level where they're at. Anyhow, all right, I'm really getting off here. So he, he, Nicholas taught a doctrine of compromising, and the Lord was complimenting him. He was complimenting him. Revelation 3, 15, 16, I know your deeds, you need a colder heart, and I wish uh, God, you know, there's certain things that God wishes. Did you know that? And I would like to be a person that, that with the things that God wishes, I do. Amen? God, what, is, what do you wish, God? What do you want, God? I would like to be that person. And so he talks about that lukewarmness. And so Hebrews 2.1, Hebrews 2.1, I'll be quick here. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift. Somebody shall drift. <clears throat> There's that drifting. There's that thing. If we don't listen, if we don't heed, if we just become, like James says, we look at the word of God in our face in a mirror and we walk away, we just kind of go out about our own thing. And, and, and there's no application of what God's word and his, his truth is telling us in his life. Or as we have our daily seeking him, read his word, where that, man, that scripture speaks to me. That scripture speaks to me. And how, how do I need to change my heart in this area where pride is, is, is and, and I'm being elevated and, 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 you know, these things where God's convicting me. How many hear what I'm saying? Amen? <clears throat> Bible says we can, if we're not very careful, it's where spiritual apathy can come in. And it says in the last days, some Christians will succumb to this, this, this drifting. And we talked about this in the last few weeks. We can have an out-of-control schedule running here and there. And, and, and the Bible says that we are to redeem the time for the days are evil. How I many know oh, you can't buy back yesterday? Amen. And, and that doesn't mean that you can't live your life, raise your family. Come on now. I don't think you should be tormented every day in a sense of tormented that, oh my God, am I fulfilling God's purposes today? How many know that Jesus didn't walk around like that? But he did redeem the time. He knew that his life and his, the window was very short. Amen. Misplaced affections, 1 John 2, 15. And don't love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so we talked about that, that we need to be watchful, not to set our hearts on things that really don't matter. And we said this, that misplaced affections cause us to get off track spiritually and cause you or your family member to drift spiritually. And listen, it could be something that is not even sinful in and of itself. How many of you know that all right, I'm going to go out on a limb right now. Fishing is not sinful. Man, all you fishermen, there were a time in, ladies. Going, Amen. It's not sinful. But if you come possessed by it, come on now, that you're out there, you need to spend time with your wife, your kids. Well, I'm going to fishing. I'm going to, where well, he's out fishing, that's idolatrous. Amen. Pick it on fishing. Any, there are many things. Discouragement, 2 Corinthians 4. The Bible says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. We are challenged in the scriptures to look at the things that are not temporal and seen, but the things have a mindset of eternal. 
And so that, I really kind of walk around with it, that that's kind of a part of the center in my soul is, how is, am I walking out my life in light of eternity? Come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, huh, I never thought about that. How am I, how am I living my life in light of eternity? As uh, the brother just shared <clears throat> about seeing the Lord and facing him one day, every single one of us must face it, give an account. That's very sobering. That's very sobering. So it's important for us to know. It's important for us, especially in this area of discouragement too, that in difficult times, we are to run to Jesus, not from him, but to him. Amen? <clears throat> Hallelujah. Let's continue. This one here, I'm just going to hit, and we'll conclude by this one here, abundance, 1 Timothy 6.10. How can Christians, they can get, get sidetracked? For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. We've heard many times teaching, most of you had, it. it's not money itself, it's the love of it, all of that. Money is just a neutral, it's just a means. <clears throat> but the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Some, by longing for it, watch this, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So I don't know how clear it can be right there in the scripture where it says that the love of money can cause you to wander away from your faith. Did you get that? Because people just think, I could never, I could never wander away. I'm not always, you know. Wander away from the faith and pierce themselves with many griefs. You know, America, for the most part, is so fat with prosperity that the temptation is that we can often make wealth our God and not the true king of heaven. Can I get an amen? You know, and this has actually been a reoccurring theme throughout the Bible. People struggle. God blesses them. They become prosperous, and they depart from God. It's ironic, isn't it? I remember years ago, someone not from this community, someone else, another community was just loving on this person and ministering one time, and this guy came forward, and he was in <clears throat> contracting in a certain specialty, and he was falling down, I mean, just sobbing after the message, and I'm like, wow, I mean, God is doing something with him, and at the altar call, and I, I, he just began to cry out like, God, I, I, my business is so struggling, and, and I, I'm just myself, I have no employees, and, <clears throat> and I said, well, if you, you know, get your heart right, start orchestrating your life, living for God, I mean, God will turn that around, and while I was praying with them, God gave me a prophetic word right at that moment, and said, tell him that before long, if he you know, makes this choice to follow me with his whole heart, spirit, soul, I'm going to bless him. And, I, and the purpose of the blessing is to bless God's kingdom, his church, and, and the purpose of God, and you will be blessed too. And I told him that, and I said, you know what, you're going to have three teams. I actually said this to him. I said, you're going to have three teams of those that are going to help to lighten the load. You're going to have so much work. Before long, uh, this guy started to get a lot more work. He came, you know, at first he came frequently to church. He was there, hallelujah, amen, he was involved. And God started to bless him. Watch this church. Started to bless him. And then before long, he was so prosperous, he was so busy. Didn't have time for church. And then years go by, I haven't seen him. Once in a while I see him, he kind of would duck and kind of hide, you know, like, oh, avoid that guy, you know. That usually happens to me. Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> Glory to God. Not always. There's a lot of people that just go, hey, Pastor Mike, what's up? And uh, sometimes I'm ducking and hiding. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. No. <laughs> I didn't mean that. It's good to laugh in church. Amen. And, and, and so he just kind of, he just fell off the map. He just fell off the map. And then he, he calls one day. Watch this. He's in jail. 
They picked him up for a DWI, crying, so I'm praying with him behind the glass. You know, I can't do much. You know, I can pray and believe God. And then he met with him and counseled. And he's monkeying around in a relationship sexually, not married, and just going on, 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 just disappeared. It's awesome that. Blessed, though, in a sense, God did his part. Amen. And so we need to be very careful about that, about prosperity. And that, that, you know, you cry out, God bless me, and he blesses you, and we forget the Lord. And that time the offering bucket comes by, or that, you know what I mean, that time to be able to give, it's like, uh, (laughs) we don't need to tithe, we don't need to give. (laughs) Somebody's got to pay for the toilet paper. (laughs) Somebody's got to pay for that, you know, hand wash, sanitize, the coffee, somebody, the church is paying, you know. We got to all do our part. Amen. It's all I'm asking. So if we do, everyone does this, you know, whatever they're able to do, that's between you and the Lord. Amen? Just do your part. Amen. Amen. It's just a great service here today, I can tell you that. <clears throat> now, here's the thing. The chances are you probably do not feel like you are prosperous. Most people, they, when they survey in America, I just don't. Well, you know what? I don't make six, eight hundred thousand a year. You know, I only make one hundred twenty-five. So you can pay, come on now, <laughs> and so you can pay. Or you know what? I don't make the sixty, seventy, eighty thousand. I only make fifteen thousand a year. You know, and we always are comparing. It's relative, okay? But compare America to the world. You're part of the one percent. You bet about one percent. I met doctors, physicians, lawyers in Russia and Ukraine. They get twenty bucks a month working, striving. You know, doing their job and their life. Poor, poor. I remember this one girl was in a Bible school in Ukraine, and there was there was sixty or eighty of these kids, and they were just passionate. And we had some real powerful meetings with Peter Mel as a missionary, and we were ministering. And a girl came forward, just been through a divorce, and their husband, and he was there, and it was just a disaster. It was just a mess. And I remember just saying, okay, what is her, she's just broken. She says, she, she gets up here, she comes to the Bible school, Pastor Mike, and, and, then, and then she goes and works all day in the market in the afternoon and late at night, and then she's studying. I'm like, oh my God, this gal. And, and I, asked, uh, I asked them, the interpreter, and I said, well, you know, what's the weight on her life? Whatever. He says, she just can't afford the Bible school. I'm like, oh, man. How much is it? It's 60 bucks. I said, 60 bucks a week? He goes, no, until she finishes the Bible school. I'm like, $60? Oh, we are blessed here in America. So I went, Shh, she's done. She don't have to work in the market. Here's the 60 bucks, and here's 100 so she can be set for the next year to not have to worry. And then she was, you know, we are so blessed. We are so blessed in this nation. And, you know, like I said, just living in America, we are all part of the 1%. That means you are wealthier than 99% of the world's population if you were on food stamps. Oh, yes. If you run food stamps through the county, you are wealthier than 99% of the world population. We're talking seven and a half billion people. We go to Sri Lanka and the average income is probably 50 bucks a month now. It's increased. We support missionaries $200 a month. You do as a church. You support them. We've been doing that for, I don't know, Julie, 12 years, 15 years. 
eight, you know, almost the whole time as a church supporting these missionaries. Why? Because I know when Heron comes here in a few weeks and Mitch and, 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 and all of these, Pastor T. Lock, all of these ministers, Pastor Woody, that we have been supporting, you know, a thousand, twelve hundred bucks a month to us, it's really no much, goes so far. They're able to get in vehicles. They're able to go up north. They're able to preach the gospel. They're able to print Bibles that we bought the rights for, for children's Bible. They're able to do all these things, and it's really not much for us. We are responsible. We are responsible, every single one of us. We are part of the 1%. Now, once again, I'm not anti-prosperity. I am not at all. But listen to me. The danger in living in a prosperous culture is that people of abundance can often choose recreation over worship. Oh, amen. So you need to take a snapshot of that one and post it. What am I saying? Hey, why go to church if you could be out golfing, fishing, boating, hunting, camping, going to movies, dinner, sleeping in, going shopping, you know? Well, you know, uh, these things in and of themselves are not wrong. They're, in, in the right sense, they're healthy. They're okay. You need to disengage. You need to be able to do that. But if your life's surrounded by pleasure, pleasure-seeking, that it's only, what can I do? used to have this lady that real cantankerous lady that worked for my father in, in the dry cleaning industry. She was a presser, and her name was Marion. And every she would drink two cases of beer every weekend. Her and her husband, two cases, okay? She would drunk, be smashed, whole weekend, never went to church. We drew a witness to this gal, whatever, hardcore. And then come Monday, she'd wear a T-shirt every single Monday. They would say, I hate Mondays. I'd hate Mondays too if I was drunk and smashed the whole weekend. I'd hate every day. Come on now. What am I, what am I trying to say? I mean, we, people of abundance, we can choose recreation over worship. And, 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 you know, here's it. Some people, let me just interject this. We're going to end. Some people believe that it's always the devil that's trying to keep you from not prospering. Now, I know poverty is a spirit. How many of you know in heaven there is nobody poor? Nobody is begging in heaven and all. I don't got the tax. There ain't no taxes in heaven. Hallelujah. (laughs) My property taxes went up. I know. There isn't any in heaven. (laughs) Hey, listen, when streets are paved with gold and God's standards are greater than the county standards of four inches, I bet he's got three feet of gold. Hallelujah. Amen. God, he's got plenty. He owns everything. It's us. But some people believe that, you know, the devil. The devil is the one that's keeping you down, keeping you oppressed from the things of God. And, and yes, that's true. But I, if I, what, let me just say this. Step away from the pulpit. If I was the devil, I would make Christians prosperous. I would lavish them with money. Why? Because the temptation to follow after money Pleasure, theme, stuff. Now, I have the new car, house, you know, whatever, vehicle, truck. I've got the new boat. And, I, and, and how many of you know this? The moment you buy it, that's pretty fleeting, the feeling. Right. Come on now. And it's, oh, what's next? That's why we got all this stuff. But it doesn't satisfy. Come on now. Am I preaching the truth? And so so if I was the enemy, I would go, let them have it all. 
because they will ignore God. They won't even show up at church. And they'll be traveling to all the houses they have in Southern California and Palm Springs and, and Florida and, and Texas. They, they, will have, they won't even acknowledge me. I remember uh, uh, was visiting a, uh, a church down in Florida and I knew this individual was talking with them. And, and I was like, wow, you live in Florida? I'm like, this is amazing. I just can imagine the churches because most of the people, not all of them, but most of them retire to go to warmer climates. Amen. No, nothing negative about that. But, the, you know, and it's like I said, and I said, it's the majority of church elderly goes, yeah, they're, they're mostly retirees. I think, so when you have church cleanup day, you must have hundreds come out. He goes, no, Pastor Mike, they're not. They're out in the ocean on their boat. If I was the devil, I would make you, I would make you all multimillion. What would you do with that? Would we have enough? You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give to the building when I win this lottery ticket, Pastor. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> Don't buy lottery tickets. Put the money in the growth fund. <laughs> the odds of you getting struck by lightning or shot by a terrorist, you know, in America are slim to none. You're gonna win. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand with me if you would, please. I've rambled along here enough. <laughs> You know, in 1973, David Wilkerson, he, he wrote a book, The Vision, and he was pretty black and white, David Wilkerson, if some of you know who he is, and I actually have the book, The Vision, and Jeff Anderson and I have been talking about this and, uh, in the past, and uh, this the truth of this, and I just want to read this as we conclude. He said, and this is what he writes, this is 1973, this is not 2000, this is 73. Okay, I was born in 64, so I was nine years old when he wrote this. And he says, the last ditch attempt to deceive God's chosen, he said, the number one temptation for the last day Christian will be, drumroll, prosperity. Hmm. I see millions of Christians being deceived by prosperity. The last Christian is going to be afflicted by, uh, by prosperity and tested by it more than through poverty. I see automobiles, clothes, motorcycles, boats, all kinds of materialism becoming bigger hindrance to the Christian than drugs, sex, or alcohol. Wow. I see thousands of Christians attached to and obsessed by things. They are so wrapped up in materialism that they have become lukewarm, blind, weak, and spiritually naked. Wow. Yet in the midst of all their materialism, they are miserable, totally dissatisfied. David Wilkerson, 1973, Division and Beyond. Every head bowed, please. Lord, we don't want to head down that pathway. We don't want to be that. But Lord, we recognize that uh, greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. But our flesh at times can overtake us. Lord, let this be a purifying effect, this message on each and every one of us here today. Let us align our hearts, Father God, and really, really ask you, God, the Holy Spirit, to speak to us, thinking about your house, your purposes, your will for our life, our family, our children's children. Lord, the new church building the plans for that, the property that has been given, Lord, your, your property where the temple of the Lord would be built. Lord, 
your purposes in our life, even reaching out and doing something generous for someone who's even a total stranger, Father. Lord, I just pray a spirit of generosity come upon this church. A spirit like never before. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your faithfulness and you've brought us thus far. But Lord, I just thank you, even this summer, that we will just start to hear testimonies of blessings and sacrificial uh, things that this church body is a part of that, that blesses those without doing it with any attitude or presumption of being noticed, Lord, that the, you would bless them to be a blessing. You're not against us prospering, God. But Lord, you do have this against us. When we love the world, we're neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm. So Lord, we just repent, right? Come on, church. Come on. Some of you just need to be praying right now and asking the Lord, so Lord, wash me, cleanse me. Align my heart, God. Let that be one of your prayers. Lord, align my heart. Straighten my heart. Let me walk circumspect here today, Father God. You're here this morning and say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. And what you declared here today and the materialism, I'm just pursuing me, myself, and I. I've been thinking about it all myself, and I'm just, I feel convicted by that. I need to, I need to get right with God. You're not joining this church, but you are joining the family of God. You're here this morning. You don't know Jesus. You must be born again. That's the first step of God's blessing in your life, responding to the call of salvation. You're here and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'd like us to pray corporately for you to receive Christ in your life and begin this new journey of faith. Let's pray together corporately. And those that are watching by television, say this to me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. I give you my life. Now take it. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times in meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.